Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. We'll do a little mini-series here in the next couple of weeks called Tis the Season. And uh, this morning, I want to talk about Tis the Season to Renew Hope. Uh, now, when I talk about hope, sometimes people think of hope, they think of wishing. You know, I just hope so. And they'll say, I hope so. Hope and pray. Um, actually, biblical term from hope is a, it's a positive, favorable expectation. If you have small children or grandchildren, you understand, especially at this time of year, what a positive, favorable expectation looks like. Because those little ones are expecting, man, and they're expecting just, it, just it, it ratchets up about this time of year. And they're expecting something good. And in fact, I remember being bribed as a child um, that I needed to be good. And you know, I, I don't know if behavior just gets better in December or not, but it's just like, you, you, you know what's coming. You're like, okay, okay, all right. I'm gonna chill because I wanna make sure I get everything that I asked for. And so as a child, I can remember the hope of Christmas and the hope of receiving something good. Hope is powerful. So it is the season. We're going to talk about this this morning, renewing hope. Uh, but it is the season for a few other things, too. It is the season for food. <laughs> can I get an amen on that? <laughs> it's, uh, man, I'll tell you what. It's, uh, I, I told the staff, I said, don't, don't, don't make me anything with sugar. I need to, I need to back off of that. And... Uh, they're all like, oh, no, Pastor, you look good. I'm like, yeah, 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 I got that. If, 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 if I gain weight, and nobody can come tell me, but y'all talk bad about me when you leave. Like, mm. <laughs> Brother's getting big, filling up both of those screens. Like, and so, <laughs> but uh, uh, Dan was visiting his family, and uh, he was sitting there on the couch, and his little nephew came up to him and said, Uncle Dan, won't you try one of my cupcakes? I made it myself. And so Dan took a cupcake, and he, he was a little reluctant, but he, he tasted it. He's, he's like, hmm, this, this is really good. So he ate one. He went to the second one. And uh, he's munching about halfway through the second one. He looked at his nephew. He said, you did a really good job with this. He said, how did you get the icing so smooth? His little nephew said, I licked it. <laughs> that'll, that'll take the joy right out of the season, won't it? Tis the season for food. Tis the season for lights. For those of you who spent a fortune putting those professional lights up on your house, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, for those of you who do, you do a, you're a do-it-yourself person, but you do a marvelous job, I want to thank you. Our neighborhood and our cul-de-sac, we've got some people, man, they paid and they had the professional things done. It looks wonderful. I'm just so glad they did it. And then there's some people that did nothing, and then there's Alan and Joy. And I put up my cheesy laser lights stars with little snow falling on there. <laughs> Took me 10 minutes. I'm so blessed by it. <laughs> but I, I, I do enjoy lights on other people's homes during the Christmas seasons, and uh, it, it's a great time. It's also a season for reflection. Have you ever noticed that? People are willing to look back and, and look at the year and then look forward and go, where are we going? Last, I, I encourage people in, in our devotions that we do, I encourage them that during this month especially, it's a wonderful thing to, to quote uh, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. And three times a day, just to, just to do that, especially in the middle of a busy season, like what Joy said, just your thoughts 
And so it's a great one. But in January, I, I encourage you to add to that the Lord's Prayer. And that's just a great way to begin to do that. You can do it with your family. And uh, it's something that can add something to you. It's a time of reflection. One of the things I like about this season is it is a season that for a very brief moment, God is openly acknowledged. And you see, and I, I realize people have tried to cover up and tried to cover up, you can't say Christmas, but you ever notice that didn't last long because there's those of us who are gonna keep saying Merry Christmas and we don't care. That's where the whole season came from. And so we keep saying Merry Christmas and uh, not trying to offend people, but th the fact that God sent his son for mankind is the reason we're celebrating this time of year. And so it's a, it's a wonderful time, but it's also a reminder of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So it's a great time. We can leverage this time to talk about the hope that we have in Christ. When John the Baptist was born, his father, Zacharias, actually began to prophesy as he was led by the Holy Spirit and begin to prophesy about John the Baptist's ministry and also about Jesus. And this is what Zacharias said about Jesus. He said here in, in Luke 179, he said, Jesus would give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That Jesus brings a hope that we don't have, that darkness doesn't have to dominate us. That darkness and the shadow of death does not have to have the last word. I was thinking about this past year, and this is a year that I know many in the church, church family, and I know in my family, uh, we had loved ones that went home to be with the Lord. They went home to heaven. Uh, my mom went home this year. Philip Moore, our executive pastor, had both his mother and father go home within a six-month period. Many of you have, have seen loved ones go home. And so this will be a Christmas that some of those loved ones will not be present. And there's always a tinge of sadness there at their absence, but there's more than a, just a tinge of sadness. There's a hope. There's a hope that one, they're, they're doing much better. They're in a far better place. Paul said to depart and be with Christ is far better. So that's a better place. We know that. And then we have the hope of seeing them again. And what a wonderful hope that is that even through the difficult times, there's that positive expectation for loved ones that have gone on in Christ. We're going to see them again. And that gives us a hope. And this season is a great time to remind ourselves that, hey, this is not just about the, the, the gifts and the lights and the music. This is about a living hope that is lasting through this time and lasts throughout eternity. And what a blessing that is. I'm going to talk about a, a, a couple in the Bible, a couple who did not have, they had their hopes just quashed over the years and, uh, and how God really began to change that and how they were able to renew their hope. Their name is Zacharias and Elizabeth. Now, their story is always tied in with the Christmas story because it's all about John the Baptist and Jesus, who were John the Baptist's mom, Elizabeth, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, they were cousins. And so, and the births are right around the same time. And so this is a, a time that we equate this story with the Christmas story. And Zacharias and Elizabeth, he was a priest, he was a good man. The Bible said they was, he was a righteous man. She was a righteous one. This, this was a good couple, just a godly couple, living for God. But they had a one thing in their life that just had not come to pass yet until now. Let's read the story here. Angel of the Lord appeared to him. That's Zacharias. He was the priest. He was, in the, he was performing his priestly role as he was standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. 
But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, that's Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. That was very diplomatic. And, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you'll be mute, not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. You know, Zacharias and Elizabeth had not abandoned God. They were praying, they were serving. They were still doing everything they could to live for God. What they had abandoned was the hope that God's promises could come to pass in their life. And what they were dealing with was the time of age. They'd both gotten older and time. They hadn't had a baby over the years. And their past experience said it just really wasn't going to happen. And so that had really taken a toll. They hadn't given up on God. They'd given up on the hope of anything good ever coming their way. Now, as they're doing this, they had a, a supernatural experience. An angel appeared. Now, when you're reading the Bible about angels appearing, it, it almost sounds like they just showed up weekly. They did not. And their appearances were rare. And this was a, an appearance from an angel who had a name. His name was Gabriel, one of, the, one of the key angels. He said, I'm in the presence of God. And he came to Zacharias and he, he said, Zacharias, man, I've got some great news for you. That's some wonderful. And he brought him, brought him news of God's promise that he was, he was going to have a baby. He was going to have a baby. His name was John. He's going to make everybody happy. And Zacharias looks at this angel, this big angel. Uh, every time we get an idea, angels, in, when we see them in the Bible, are not fat little babies with, with wings. <laughs> They're usually very big. And uh, so, I mean, big enough, when he's standing beside the altar of incense, Zacharias didn't look down at him and go, oh, what a cute little fat baby with wings. He's looking, he's looking, Gabriel, he's afraid. And, and, and the angels, that's why they always say, fear not. If you're a fat baby with wings, you don't have to say fear not. You're just like, <laughs> you say, oh, you know, it's, uh, he said, he said, he looked, he looked at this angel and he went, basically he went, how do I know you're telling me the truth? By the way, if an angel ever appears to you and says something like that, don't, don't say that. <laughs> Just smile, nod your head, and, and deal with it later. But it, he, was, he was looking at this angel. He said, how do I know that you're telling me the truth? Time and age and experience had really disquashed his hope. He had no hope. And uh, so he, he looked at this angel and said, basically, said, I, I don't know if you're telling me the truth or not. And the angel, the angel said to him, he said, now, he said, because you did not believe my words. Now, here's, here's the thing. Zacharias could have believed the words that the angel said. It's not like he couldn't help himself. You see, there already was a scriptural precedent, and Zacharias was a priest. He knew this. Abraham and Sarah had a baby in their old age. Samson's parents had a baby in their old age. Hannah had a baby when she couldn't have one for years. Uh, the Shunammite woman had a baby. She hadn't had one for years, and her husband was old. 
There was a promise in the Bible that none would be barren in their time. There was covenant promises and there was precedent. And all Zacharias had to do was go, praise God, we're going to be just like Abraham and Sarah. That is such good news. But he chose not to believe it. And he looked at the angel and said, how do I know you're telling me the truth? And so the angel, there was a consequence to that. I don't think the, I don't think the angel and God looked at Zacharias and said, oh, that just ticks me off, Zacharias. I'm going to shut your mouth for nine months. That'll teach you. For some people, that would be a blessing. But in, in, uh, he looked at, I really believe that what God did for Zacharias was a safety net. That he shut his mouth so he wouldn't disconnect from God's promise. He said, these promises are going to come to pass. And Zacharias couldn't say anything about it. He was so negative. The Lord said, I need to keep him quiet. He didn't need to say anything. And so... Zacharias, he goes home. He, you know, he looks at Elizabeth, and Elizabeth said, <clears throat> how was work, honey? And he went, mm-hmm. And uh, she said, what, did, did you have a good time? He's like, mm-hmm. Anything happened? <laughs> he can't say anything. So he couldn't, he couldn't poo-poo the idea. He couldn't, he couldn't discount it. And the quiet was a blessing. But here was something else about Zacharias. He missed something. You see, Zacharias missed the bigger purpose. The angel said, you and, you, you and Elizabeth are going to have joy and gladness. Many are going to rejoice at John's birth, but he didn't stop there. He kept going. He said, and he began to lay out what John the Baptist was going to do. That this child was going to turn the hearts of a nation of Israel back to God. That this child was going to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ. That this child had a big purpose. He could have just caught on with that purpose and went, this is more about making a couple happy. This is God's big plan and purpose. And Zacharias missed that. Say, well, what happened? Well, exactly what God said was going to happen. Nine months later, here comes the baby. And in the Jewish law, they would wait eight days and they would circumcise the child and name the child. So here they come nine to eight days later and everyone comes in. They're going to have a big, uh, you know, naming party. And no reveal party, it's just a naming party. And they're, they're going to, to name the child. And they looked at Elizabeth, Zacharias, he can't say, he's over there, he's still not talking. And uh, they said, we're going to name him Zacharias Jr., just like his dad. And uh, Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. Now, a lot of times people think, well, oh, that's no big deal. I, I don't know about you, but have you ever just fought with family about what you were going to name your children? That's a sure way. You, you want to start a fight? Tell them what you're going to name the kid ahead of time. They're like, oh, you're not going to name that. Oh, I, I knew someone like that. But this was even bigger to the Jewish people because they didn't have last names. And so the name was going to continue a family tradition. He was going to name him. And, he's, and they looked at Elizabeth. They go, there's nobody, there's nobody in your relatives that's named John. We're not going to name the baby John. He's not, no one's named John. They said, ask his dad. So they bring Zacharias in and Zacharias asked for a tablet. And when Zacharias wrote on the tablet, his name is John, his mouth was opened. And he immediately began to, to prophesy and begin to speak about the baby and to speak about, about Jesus. But here's what he said. When, when he said his name is John, Zacharias said something. He said, I don't care what family tradition says. I don't care what anyone says. I'm not looking for pride. This child is of God. And if God calls this child John, I'm calling this child John because he's got a purpose. And he called him what God called him. It's a good lesson there. 
How do we renew hope in our life? This is a couple that got hope renewed. How do we renew hope in our life? Well, here's one of the things that we'll have to do. You'll have to believe it's possible for God's goodness to show up in your life. See, a lot of times we believe it's possible for God's goodness to show up in someone else's life, someone that we deem a better Christian or someone we deem a Christian superstar. You realize there are no Christian superstars. There may be famous Christians, but there's only one star, and all of us are supporting cast. There's only one star. His name is Jesus. The rest of us, no, no, we're supporting cast. We're messengers. But people often say, well, that'll work for them. It'll work for Joy. She's perfect. It, it, it might work for Alan, but maybe not. It, it might work for, for other people. But how easy it is to say, that won't work for me. You've got to believe it's possible for God's goodness to show up in your life. Glenn Van Erich was a, uh, is an author, and he said that uh, on the, in the summertime years ago, he would go out and spend summers with his grandfather who had a farm. He said they were walking across a field one day, and they came to an electric fence, not a barbed wire fence, electric. It has a, a thin strand of electric wire that would run and uh, had a current in it, and it would keep, boy, you touch it, it would create a shock. He said they got to the fence, and his grandfather looks around, grabs the electric wire with both hands, and steps over it. But now this little guy is full of questions. Why did you do that? Why did you, he said, granddad, why did, you, why did you look around before you stepped over that fence? He said, I didn't want the cows to see me. He said, I didn't want them to get any ideas about what they could do. He said, grandfather, why do you, why do you have a, an a electric fence with no power running through it? He said, well, he said, when you put an electric fence up, he said, you run the power through it for a while, and when the, when the cows touch it and they get a shock, he said, they learn. They don't go near that anymore. He said, you can see how the grass, they'll graze right up to the edge of the wire, and then the grass is higher. On the, they, won't, they won't go over that. And so he said, you don't have to run the, the electricity all the time. And this wire, this wire, even though it's not on, it has created a barrier. It creates a limitation. Now, here's my question to you. What are the limitations? What's the, what's the electric wire in your life? Is it, is it your age? Young or old? Alan, I, I don't know that, you know, I'm too old now for God to do anything good in my life. <laughs> no, you're not. I was talking with Darlene the other day. If you know Darlene, Darlene, she, uh, she is, is on, our, uh, on our maintenance staff here. Every day she gets up, she comes over here, she cleans the church. She's 85. And uh, she, she told Joy the other day, she said, you know, the Lord's not done with me yet. I'm like, hallelujah. I'm so glad to hear that. But she's 85. She's not, and she said, the Lord's not done with me yet. Are you, do you think you're too old? Maybe you think you're too young. How about time? You know, Alan, it's been a long time. My dream never has come to pass. Is that the electric wire in your life? How about experience? Well, I prayed and nothing happened. And, you know, we didn't get what we had desired. And my experience hasn't been good. Is that the electric wire in your life? Let me tell you something about the electric wire. God's not the one who cut the, electric, the power on, on the wires in your life. You're the one that has, but the power's off. So you just grab that thing and step over it and go, I'm going to believe God anyway, and I'm going to believe that he can be good to me, and I'm going to believe it regardless. I say, I say, well, how do I get there? Well, I think it's important that we become a little bit more spiritually oriented. I didn't say weird. Just spiritually oriented. What, what does that mean? Spiritually oriented means that, here's, here's, a, here's a quick definition. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That is so simple, but that's so good, isn't it? 
Just, I'm going to trust in the Lord. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to try to figure everything out. I'm not going to try to figure out why it won't work and why it's not happening. I'm going to believe you and trust you because your kingdom's bigger and you're bigger and your goodness can still show up in my life. I trust in you with all my heart and I don't let my mind talk me out of it. Something that will bless you the next few days is just to walk around and go, it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Have you know with God, all things are possible. That means with God, all things are possible for you. So you walk around and go, Lord, it's, it's possible. What are you doing? What are you doing? Really what my next point is, if you're going to renew hope, you have to use your words to talk yourself into the promises of God, not talk yourself out of them. Talk yourself. What do you mean talk yourself in? Well, one, you need to have some promises. You need to have some promises that you're holding on to. Peter talked about this. He wrote to the, he wrote to the church. He said in, in 1 Peter, 2 Peter, I'm sorry, by which have been given by God's glory and virtue, have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Have been given to us exceeding and great, have been given to us, not just given to preachers, not just given to Christian superstars, have been given to us. If you're in the family, God has given you promises. On Wednesday night, I was talking to the church about five things that you can believe for in this upcoming year. Five things that are promises that you can believe for. Here's the first one. You can believe that God is for you. Romans 8, 31 and 32 said, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You can believe that God is for you. You can believe that God will help you. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 said, he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You can believe that sin and sickness will not have to dominate you this year. 1 Peter 2, 24, himself took our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins would live to righteousness by his stripes we are healed. You can believe that you can sow seeds and reap a harvest in this upcoming year because he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you having all sufficiency in all things will have an abundance for every good work. You can believe in this upcoming year that you can live free from fear because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Five things you can believe and it's possible for you. Now what we do is we don't talk ourselves out of that. We don't say, well, that never works for me or I don't believe that. We just say, Lord, I want to thank you for your great and precious promises for they are great and precious to me. Anything that's pre it's precious, you treat like it's precious. And you begin to tell the Lord, Lord, I want to thank you for these promises. And you say, well, Ellen, is that going to matter? I mean, do, do, is it really going to matter what I say? It sure does. It matters a lot. Your words matter. Proverbs says death and life are in the power of the tongue. We've gotten so accustomed to speaking death over things and death over ourselves and it doesn't work for me. You can begin to change that. You begin to say, God, I believe you're for me. I believe you're with me. I believe you're helping me. I believe I can sow seeds. God, I, I believe that sin and sickness will not dominate me and I can live free from fear. You can say that. You can believe. Why? Because God's already said it. See, our words matter. There was, I read about a guy who, um, hopefully you've never done this, got a phone call after hours from his boss. He's in Georgia. True story. He uh, got a phone call from his boss and his boss called him after hours and spent about an hour on the phone just complaining about stuff, about another colleague that they're working with. 
and, and he, when he got off the phone call, he walked in the kitchen, the guy did, and they started talking about the boss and how he always called after hours. And they, they spent about 12 minutes just railing on the boss. Man, they just, they, man, up and down. And then he looked down in his pocket and he noticed that there was a light in his pocket shining out of his pocket. And he, and he pulled it out and he had, uh, I'll use the polite term, he had pocket called. He pocket called his boss and his boss heard the whole conversation. Anyone ever, don't even raise your hand. I just, uh. He walked in the next day and got fired. And um, after he got fired, well, the boss said, I don't want to work with this guy. He said, I don't trust him. I want to work with him. Fired him. He, fi he filed a civil suit against his boss. Said that his boss should not have been listening to his private conversation. <laughs> Judge threw it out. You say, well, what's that got to do with anything? Because publicly or privately, your words matter. And what you say about these things. Listen, we need to have the sense of, of Zacharias. We need to be as smart as Zacharias. When, the, when that angel said, you're going to call his name John? And Zacharias said, his name is John. What, what Zacharias is saying is, God, whatever you say about it, I'm going to say about it. If you say his name is John, God, I'm going to say his name is John. Hey, listen, if God says you're blessed, why would you say anything else? You need to say, thank you, Lord, I am blessed. If God says you're more than a conqueror, why would you say anything else? You need to say about yourself, I am more than a conqueror. If God said you have not been given a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind, why don't we say, Father, I want to thank you that I am not a fearful person. I'm full of power and love and of a sound mind. Your words matter. You can say, you can say about yourself exactly what God says. You're not changing God or manipulating anything. You're just agreeing with him. Smart move. But then there's another thing. If you're going to renew hope in your life, one of the best ways we can do it is to tie in to a bigger purpose. Tie into God's plan. When that angel looked at Zacharias and said, you and Elizabeth are going to have this boy and you're going to be so glad. You're going to be so excited. It's going to be so good. But he didn't stop there. He began to talk about the bigger purpose, what, what John was called to do. Listen, so, so often we, we stop with us. Man, I, 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 need to, I need to be free from addictions. Yes, absolutely. I need God to help me with depression. Absolutely. My finances need help. Absolutely. Can God help you with all these things? Yes. Can you do wonderful things in your life? Yes. Can you do wonderful things in your marriage? Yes. Can you do wonderful things in your kids? Yes. Can you do wonderful things on the job? Yes, he can. But the blessing should not stop with you. It's not just to make you happy. It's to make you a light and a blessing to other people. So they see your life and go, if God did it for him, he could do it for me. If God did it in their life, he can do it for me. We are people who live with purpose. They did a documentary last year on Michael Phelps. M Michael, remember him? Most decorated Olympian in, the, in, in history. And Michael Phelps said after the Olympics, he actually thought about taking his own life. And he said, and this is not uncommon with many Olympians. In fact, they, the documentary was called The Weight of Gold. And they're saying that after the Olympics, and even after people have won what they've sought for all their life, he said they have this, this sense of emptiness. And the sense of emptiness is if it's all about you, that's not how we are designed to live. We're designed to let our light shine and to be a blessing. 
And God, that's, and then we begin to have hope because it's not just about us. It's God can do something great through us. He can, he can use you to reach people I can never reach. He can use you and use your life. And, you, and then, you don't, then you don't go, it was luck, it was chance. Oh, it just happened. You go, no, I want to tell you something. God helped us. Amen. Years ago, I, I talked about, I went through a, a time period where I had anxiety attacks. And then how God set me free. I hadn't had one in 30 plus years. And uh, man, I'm so excited about that. But it's not just that my freedom is, enables me to be free from anxiety attacks. That's wonderful. But also my freedom is to encourage people who have had anxiety attacks. You don't have to live that way. That God has got a better way. So whatever God's done in your life, you can be an encouragement to someone else. Bigger purpose. Tying in to God's plan. There was a chess champion who was taking a tour of an art museum. And the curator was walking him around through the different sculptures and they came to a painting. And the painting was of a chess match. And it, it really caught the, the chess champion and, and he began to study it. And as he looked at it, he recognized that it was a chess match between Satan and this young man. And the chess match was, was the winner for the soul of the young man. The look on the, on the young man's face was panicked as Satan made a move and his hand was on the, on the chess piece. And the, the uh, title of the painting was called Checkmate. The chess champion stood back and, he, and his face was frowned in concentration. He stared at it for a while and then a smile came over his face. And he looked over at the, at the curator and uh, he said, you can tell that young man in the painting he still has another move. This chess champion had seen that it wasn't checkmate, that there was another option, there was something else that he could do. You know, Satan, the father of lies, has been telling people checkmate for too long. He's been saying checkmate on your addiction, checkmate on your, on your marriage, checkmate on your life, checkmate on your future, checkmate on your finances, checkmate on your body, checkmate on you. But you've got a champion who has defeated him soundly. And he stands beside you and he whispers in your ear, it's not checkmate, you've got another move. If you've got Jesus, you've got another move. If you've got him, you've got more hope. You say, well, Alan, what if I die? You still have another move and it's a good one. It's not checkmate, it's renewed hope. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? We'll be out of here in just a minute. If you give me just a couple of minutes, if you came this morning and said, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I know that. He knows that. But I want to change that. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I, I had a relationship with the Lord. I walked away from him. And uh, man, I don't want to stay that way. I want to come back. We're going to say a prayer. We're not going to ask you to stand up. We're not going to bring you down to the front, sitting right in your chair or watching online, wherever you are. This prayer is for you. It's a powerful prayer. It changes everything. It ties you into the hope that'll last not only in this life, hope that lasts for eternity. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you that I'm talking to and you say, Alan, I, I want to make sure of my relationship with the Lord or I want to come back to him, would you pray for me? Real quickly, shoot your hand up just across this auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. Anybody else? Say, Alan, that's me. Thank you for that. Appreciate your courage. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You're thinking, man, I missed my chance. No, this is a heart prayer. We trust in the Lord with all our heart. He sees hands. 
He sees hearts too. So pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it with you out loud as a church family. You pray it out loud too so you can hear yourself. If you're watching online, you can pray. If you're by yourself, you can pray it out loud. But pray this prayer. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Would you keep your heads bowed just for a, a moment longer? Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who've stepped out of spiritual darkness into your marvelous light and for those who've come back home and come back into the light and how you welcome them and we're excited for them. Father, what great things that you have planned for their life. Thank you for being eternal hope in them. And Father, for the rest of us, those that know you and love you, those that have trusted you, thank you that we can begin to renew hope again. That we can begin to renew hope that age and time and experience do not have to be the limitations of our life. That, that we can begin to agree with you and what you say in your words and your promises. And Lord, thank you that we can tie into your purpose. What a wonderful thing that is. And so as we leave, Father, thank you. We leave with renewed hope in you in our future. And we give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.